Wake up quick at about noon. It was a lot earlier than noon, fam. Welcome into the Monday, August 3rd edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard platform. We are so thankful that you decided uh, to join us here this morning. We're so thankful that you decided to download, stream, listen, subscribe, whatever you do. We appreciate you for being here. Um, yeah, I said it's a whole lot earlier than noon, man. I don't know if it was that Sacramento Kings game last night uh, that couldn't get me to, to get a sound night's sleep, but my eyes were wide open. At about 4.15, and I thought, man, let's go into these palatial podcast studios in front of my house in the extra bedroom and record a podcast. Actually, I spent the entire weekend, just a little insight here, and I'm trying to hold off because we've got, we've got to talk about, there's a lot of idiocy in today's show. Uh, Rob Manfred, if you didn't hear what he said, dear God, uh, we've got that coming up. Two major opt-outs uh, in Major League Baseball. There are opt-outs all over the place. Uh, in the NFL, and they continue to pile up for the Patriots. Uh, we'll touch on that. Lots of basketball to get into, and of course, we'll we'll go to the Kings. Um, I spent the entire weekend redoing this front room where I record the 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 show at, and it's I, I'm not I'm not a handyman by any stretch of the imagination. I needed to get a bigger desk. I needed more space. Uh, I redid the wall that some of you have seen on on the live broadcast or on the video podcast with. Uh, Deuce and Mo, or when I used to do the hot mic app and all that, but it looks pretty dope. I'm pretty pleased with 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 how it looks, man, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. I guess I could run over like the Rockets Mavs game. That was all. There was a lot of great stuff in the NBA that happened over the weekend. You know, the restart was official on Thursday. We got to talk about you know a couple of games on Friday, and then we got a full schedule of everything going on. Uh, you know, Friday night. And none of it, none of the awesome stuff involved the Kings. You know, it, well, actually, you know, De'Aaron was pretty awesome on Friday night. Unfortunately, De'Aaron's career high now is 39 points and a loss. In a, in a, in a game that we thought, well, you know, they've, they've kind of got to win this one. You know, they, they, the Kings, boy, they have found themselves in a must-win situation before the restart even happens. And they come out and they drop one against San Antonio. It's like, all right, you know, there are a lot of things that happened over the course of the weekend where – you don't want to get, or you don't have to get super negative on the Kings. And I know Kings fans are really frustrated right now. I've seen it on my Twitter mentions. I've seen it on the text line, of course, 916-888-5898. Connect whenever you like. And, you know, the conversation started started yesterday in the first quarter when the Kings gave up 40-plus points again. 44 to be exact. That was after giving up 43 against San Antonio on Friday. I mean, Orlando had 78 points in the in the first half, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't San Antonio have 80? So suddenly we have this we have we have this defensive issue again. Now, if you want to point to something, because we have to we we've got to hold on to we've got to hold on to that stretch of basketball that the Kings played right before the break, or bef- you know before the unplanned break, before the pandemic hit, before the league was shut down. Well, it was, they, they were 13 and 7. Damn it. Pay attention to them. They, they, they were better than, they were better than uh, Portland. They were better than New Orleans. And hey, I pointed it out too. But we also tried to point out like that was essentially a season ago. We, we have been through an offseason here in this, at this point. And do you remember what happened during the last actual offseason for the Kings? 
Anybody? Bueller? 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 Remember at the end of Dave Yeager's run, the end of that season, the Kings were competing for a playoffs, but they started to kind of lose their grip on it in the final weeks. But the Kings were playing an exciting brand of basketball that had not only people in Sacramento excited, but it had people around the league talking. It had players around the league talking. It had coaches around the league talking. It had national media around the league talking like, oh, there's, there's something here. Maybe, you know, maybe not this year, but there's something here. I can distinctively remember regularly getting text and calls talking about, well, you know, it's okay if the Kings don't make the playoffs this year because, you know, you know why bother? Why? Why? Why bother fighting for an eight seed when next year you can, you're going to win 50-plus games and you'll probably be slotted in the, like, the fourth or fifth position? Like, oh. Okay, so, so we're, going from, we're going from not making the playoffs to winning 50 games the next year. Oh, okay. See, I don't need to give you the the thing about the fans again and irrational. But what I can tell you is, you know, that, that line that says absence makes the heart grow fonder. What I actually think happens, and maybe these two things are related because usually that term is, it's used in love and it's used in relationships. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I've got to go away for a little while. Oh, okay. Well, I will just grow to love you more while you're away. For the Kings, I think what it is is, and, and, and maybe this is true for, for sports fans, and I believe that it is. I think it's true for all the sports fans. Absence makes you become a complete idiot. No, 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 seriously. All of us. Because what we do is we spend time analyzing our team. We don't spend as much time looking at the Rockets or the Mavericks. Sure, we see the surface stuff. We know of the Russell Westbrooks or the Luka Doncic or the... The, the, the James Hardens or, or where did Clint Capella get traded? We know the surface stuff, right? We know the big deal. We know the stuff that makes the news. But we don't know like, hey, do the Rockets have a Harry Giles equivalent? Like maybe a player that they, you know, took a, took a low risk on and it didn't, you know, they're, they're, they're not sure how it's going to work out or what their salary cap status is. We don't evaluate other teams that way. We just evaluate our teams and our team is the Kings. If you're a Raider fan, you do that as with your football team. If you're a if you're a 49er fan, you do it with San Francisco. Like that's that's just the way we are. So a guy like Harry Giles means a lot more to us than he does Houston or Dallas. And the same is true with Clint Bazemore, and the same is true with uh Daquan Jeffries. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just the way we are. We dive in and we look and we go, Well, we got De'Aaron. And we know De'Aaron is if if he's not a superstar yet, he's going to be. But, but, but De'Aaron is a top-notch player. And no matter how many times the Kings lose, I'm going to believe that De'Aaron is a top-notch player in the league. So who's the second player? Like, who's the number two? Is it Bogey? Is it Buddy? Will it be Marvin? See, we spend time evaluating this. Like, Marvin was terrible. He was awful this season. The Kings, collectively as a team, were awful when he played. But that didn't stop us. That didn't stop us from looking forward to his return. That didn't stop us from thinking, man, Harry could have, or excuse me, Marvin could really have a, a breakout stretch here in the restart after the pandemic. He could have, you know, with these seeding games coming up, boy, if we get big performances from, from Marvin Bagley. And there were moments from Bagley that we saw this season, particularly the last game that he played. I think he had like 15 and 15 or, or, or something like that. Like he, he had some good numbers in, in the last game that he played. Arguably the best numbers he had put up this year. 
It's like, okay, we remember the last thing that we saw. Oh, he, boy, he could, be, he could be a big addition for the Kings. We have absolutely no evidence that that would be factual, but we believed it. And so we believe that because the Kings went 13-7, and seven, we believed that because uh, Portland wasn't playing well before the break, we believed that because the Pelicans were okay before the break, we believed, sorry about this one, that San Antonio didn't even want to be there. San Antonio, by the way, now within two games of Memphis. And here we are with our feelings hurt again by the play of the Sacramento Kings. And it's not just that the Kings are losing. Because remember, we played the schedule game, and now we're going to do it again. We're looking ahead, and we're saying, man, the schedule, it's, 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 it, now it gets tougher. We had two, quote, winnable games. Winnable, like by whose standards? I'm not really sure, but that's what we called them. We called them winnable games, despite the fact that Orlando has a better record than they do, despite the fact that we're talking about the San Antonio Spurs coached by Greg Popovich, who is a team that the Kings just out of nowhere have started to be able to regularly beat. We believed that Greg Popovich wasn't going to make adjustments. We believed that because LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't there, that this was a winnable game for the Sacramento Kings. We believed because Orlando was in the, the, the Eastern Conference. We believe because now they've actually moved up to a seven seed. By the way, they've won both games in their restart. They've looked great. It sucks. I feel horrible for Jonathan Isaac, who tore his ACL last night. Uh, that's certainly going to derail some of the things that the Orlando Magic are doing. But the Orlando Magic are a young, talented squad. The, the loss of, of Jonathan Isaac is just brutal for them, and it's brutal for that young man, and I absolutely feel for him, especially with you know it being this late in the calendar year. And it likely this ACL injury liking likely having a, a, a adverse impact on a potential season next year uh, for him. So uh, I, I feel for him. I feel for Orlando. But the fact is, they are a young, talented squad. They are now up to the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, and they've played well in both of their games. But we believed because they are in the seventh, eighth spot in the Eastern Conference, they're only around 30 wins. We believed that that was a winnable game. For the Sacramento Kings. And now, here we are, headed into what is the tough part of the schedule. This is supposed to be the difficult stretch that the Kings have. They've got the Mavericks coming up. So here is my word of advice to all of you. And it's advice we've been giving for years. Stop projecting with the schedule. Because if these were the winnable games... If the Orlandos and the San Antonios, if those were the winnable games and they lost them, well, okay, then obviously we're judging the schedule wrong. You know, the Mavericks lost to the Suns last night. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is a thing, and that's the Kings' next opponent. It's the Dallas Mavericks. What does it mean? I don't know. The fact is, if the Kings are going to give up 80 points in the first half, they're going to lose. If they're going to continue continuously give up 40-plus points in the first quarter, they're going to lose. There's not a lot of rocket science here in, in, involved. And what's going to happen is we're going to be left to pick up the pieces in a couple of weeks with, and by the way, the Kings aren't out of it. Memphis has lost. Memphis has, uh, I, I made a note. It's not in my Kings notes. Let me check. Who does Memphis have tomorrow, uh, tonight? Memphis has, oh, psh, Memphis has got the Pelicans today. 3.30. ESPN. That's a, that's a, that's a win-win for the Kings right there. The Pelicans and the Grizzlies play each other. You would love to see the Grizzlies get a W. 
because you're pushing the Pelicans a little bit further out. Now you've got to worry about San Antonio, who you just might not catch. Or or maybe we're at the point where you, you, you've you got to start thinking about a way to, to get to the eighth spot, which that's pretty far-fetched right now. Mathematically, the Kings are not out of it. I thought if they lost the first two games, you could just wash it and consider it over with. But the fact is, somebody is going to win this Grizzlies-Pelicans game. Someone is going to lose it. That's how games work. Someone wins, someone loses. That's a great take. That's why I have a podcast that has been going for well over a year and a half. Or a year and some change. Someone's going to lose that game. And you've got, you know, Portland split their first two games. They had a hell of a game yesterday against uh, against Boston. Um I mean, they like but Boston. We'll we'll cover that one in a minute. But there was a hell of a comeback by them. But Boston was able to uh, uh, to push them out and 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 close out that win. But you don't have anybody other than San Antonio who's been like, oh boy, this is an impressive team. In fact, the most of, most of the games that I've watched, particularly with these teams at the lower part of the Western Conference, has just led me to believe, man, it should have just been the playoffs. It should have just been the top sixteen teams because nobody wants this. Nobody's capable of getting it. Yeah, shoot, even the Grizzlies. See, this is where this is where I read that quote from John Morant. He said that he thought that the, the the setup was unfair for the Grizzlies, and I completely agreed with him. Under one condition. That the Grizzlies didn't go out and lay an egg. If the Grizzlies go out today and lose to the Pelicans, they've they've started the process of laying that egg and they don't get to bitch and complain about how the thing was set up. Because if they find themselves, because right now they're within is San Antonio that's within two games? If the Pelicans beat them, and we're starting to talk about the Spurs or any team being within a game or a half a game, because I thought it was one thing, man, to get within four, that almost feels easy at this point. But now if we're starting to talk about, which I did think was unfair for the Grizzlies, but now if we're talking about someone actually just taking the eighth seed from them, they, 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 they have no right to complain. Absolutely none. Even if they get into a play-in situation in an eight versus nine, in which that nine got within a game or half a game, they you just you can't complain because in that sense, what do we play? Eight seeding games? You would you probably would have lost that 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 three and a half game lead over the stretch of sixteen games. So I just look at this and I go, well, you know, the Kings aren't they're not dead. They're on life support, but they're not dead. But that's not the problem. The problem isn't the math. The problem really isn't the playoff spot. The problem is you look at these two games and you go, this team isn't good. It's like you don't need to throw out conspiracy theories. You don't need to like put your uh, Sherlock Holmes hat on. It's pretty easy to figure out. You watch the team and you can, you can see, oh, wow, look at that. They're not good. It's as simple as that. It's us overvaluing players. It is the front office overvaluing a coach. And it is in the biggest moment that this franchise has had in 13 plus years, they're not ready for it. And we can talk about motivation. We can talk about losing the locker room. We could talk about, you know, whatever different scenarios you want to put a buddy being all in his feelings. I don't know what's going on with buddy, but buddy is buddy is what we're seeing. This is the type of player Buddy is. He's a streaky shooter who wants to be more than a shooter. I've said this a million times about Buddy Heald, and as long as he's wearing a Sacramento Kings uniform, it's what I'm going to say about him. He's not a guy you want to create his own shot. 
He's a guy you want to catch and shoot. He's a guy who is constantly searching for that hot streak. He's like a drug addict. He's a, he's, a, he's a drug addict. He's searching for that high. And when he gets that first taste, you go back to the third quarter. End of the third quarter is the best example I can give you. End of the third quarter, he hit one of his uh, rare three-pointers that went in over the course of the last two games. So the three-pointer goes in. Uh, next possession, he gets the ball. He tries to create his own shot. Like he, He's like, I mean, I'm talking. He's got the ball in his hands. He's dribbling, 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 dribbling. Step back, long two. I, oh, okay. You're going to take the worst shot in basketball after dribbling for seven seconds. All right. Next possession. Ball's moving around. Ball's moving around. Boom. There's Buddy. Dribble, 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 dribble. Head to the baseline. Pull up. Nothing. Next possession. I'll give him a little bit of a break on. He got the ball in his hands. The clock was running down uh, to end the quarter. He takes the shot. But he hit the first one. He hit the first one, and he thought, oh, man, if I could hit a second one and I could get going. Because at that point, the Kings, they had lost. The game was over. Yeah, it headed into the fourth quarter. The game was over. But it was just a matter of, I don't know why I got, I got commercials playing in the background. Sorry. It was just a matter of finding his groove. Because, remember, he sucked on Friday, too. So it was just a matter of, finding his groove, finding some momentum to carry over into the third game, finding some momentum to carry over into the game against Dallas tomorrow, and it didn't happen. He couldn't find it. Two of seven from three yesterday, five of 13 from the field yesterday. Is Buddy the King's second best player? Because if he is, this is what we have. Like, this is what you're going to see. But he's not a great defensive player. He's not a great shot creator. He wants to be a player that he's not. And if you don't have players there who will embrace their role, what do you have? Rashawn Holmes is a great example. He's a guy who has embraced his role with the Sacramento Kings. He's an energy guy. He is uh, a high-intensity, uh, clean up the rebounds, do all of the dirty work. Like He does all of that stuff. It's why Kings fans love him. Those are the type of players that Kings fans love more than anything. When you talk about some of the most popular players in Kings history, dude, you're talking about guys, you're talking about guys like Rashawn Holmes. Bobby Jackson. Bobby Jackson was that dive all over the floor. I'm going to do the dirty work. And he was great at the clean. I mean, he was he was really good at everything. But he embraced his role, whether he wanted to be a six man or not, whether he saw himself as a six man or not, whether he believed he was better than Mike Bibby or not. You want all of those things to be true. You want Bobby to believe that he's better than Mike because that's going to push the way that he plays when he's put off the bench. Some guys will sit, sulk, drop their shoulders, be frustrated, put their head down because they're not in the starting position. Some guys will rise to the occasion and go, oh, you think he's better than me? Okay, I'm going to show you. I'll show you. And that's what Bobby did. Bobby balled out as a six man. Bobby won the six man of the year award. Like, come on. But Kings fans love those hustle guys. That's what Rashawn Holmes is. Rashawn Holmes embraces his role. What other King outside of Rashawn Holmes embraces their role? I think Harry does just Harry's Harry just doesn't have the same, you know, 
Skillo. And by the way, Harry Giles played four minutes on Friday. Four. Like, he was solid. Like, I think he was, I mean, he was good in the, the three scrimmage games. He's certainly good enough to play more than four minutes. Like, what, what is that? What are we doing? And then, of course, everybody played yesterday because they were down by uh, a million entering the, the fourth quarter. They were outscored 44 to 26, 34 to 28, and 35 to 24 in the first three quarters. Fourth quarter doesn't count. Every, Orlando was done. Kings were done. Like, it, it didn't even matter at that point. 132-116. I don't know what to say about this team other than they're bad. I think they're poorly coached. Um, and I don't know how uh, with... Now, it, it, one thing about saying things like, well, this is the biggest game, you know, the franchise has had. This is the biggest stretch of basketball that the franchise has had in 13 years. Th- it, that's all accurate, and it's fine, but it's fine for us. It doesn't really make sense for Luke Walton. It doesn't make sense for the players. Those players don't carry the history of the franchise on their shoulders. I know we like to believe that they do. I know that we see the same uniform, so we see continually, but who's the longest tenured king? That's, that's actually a question I don't know the answer to. Who is it? I'm, I'm, looking, at the, I'm looking at the lineup right now. Who is it De'Aaron? Is De'Aaron the longest tenured king? Who am I missing? Bogey, Rashawn, it's not Harrison Barnes, Belly. Certainly not. Dude, is is that seriously, or is it Buddy? Is Buddy the longest tenured king? It's got to be Buddy, because Buddy was here before De'Aaron. Like, think about the insanity of that. There's no, there's, there's, there's no continuity with this team. So to say that, that you know, that, that, that they've, oh, they, they laid an egg in the biggest dec- you know, game in a decade plus or the biggest stretch of basketball in a decade plus, that, that's accurate. I just don't think those players carried that weight on their shoulders. Or maybe they do, but I don't see why you would. You, you, the, the longest tenured king has been here three and a half years. Why am I worried about stuff that happened 13 and a half years ago? But they've all talked about it, right? They've all talked about opting out of USA basketball. They've all talked about we're going to end this playoff drought. Like they, they're they aware of the franchise's history. But I would rather them focus on the very recent history of their team because the very recent history of their team is bad. The very recent history of the way that Vladdy conducts himself as the general manager is bad. And I'll always have a problem with the fact that they interviewed no one else but Luke Walton. If Luke Walton um, is like they didn't even feign interest, it was like Luke is our guy. We're gonna we're gonna hire him, and like that opens yourself up to scrutiny. And the fact is, we've got a game against the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow, and if they win that, I don't want to say they're right back in it, but it certainly helps. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, if they lose that game to Dallas tomorrow, remember Dallas lost to, to, to Phoenix last night. I don't know what type of conversations you start having about the Kings. There aren't changes coming. It would be absolutely insane for Vivek, Vivek to consider making a change this offseason. It's not, it, it, that would, I would argue that would be a horrible decision just because of the, the short time frame, the uncertainty of next season. And the fact that you've already invested so much money into these two that you've tied them together, uh, these two being Luke and Vlade, you've got to ride it out. You've made your decision. Now you've, you've got to stick with it. And besides, who do you want to hire? 
you want to try for Fizdale? Like who, who Kenny Atkinson is out there. I know that's a, a, a popular name among some Kings fans. Like, I don't think so. You've got to ride this out. You've got to ride it out with Luke and Vlade, and Luke has got to figure out a way. The one thing that I do wish, and I did a Sacramento Kings podcast last night just because I wanted to play uh, Luke Walton's postgame sound and pick it apart, and, of course, the first words out of his mouth were film. I, w- I would really love for Luke to, like, be mad. And I know that that's not Luke's style. Like, he's not really an emotional guy in that sense, certainly not publicly. What he does privately, I'm not aware of. But he he doesn't appear to be a... Uh, an emotional guy in in the public, he doesn't appear to you know react with you know venom. But I would really love for him to like be mad one day in a press conference because I listen to him and go, man, I, like I, I listen to him and go, why do Kings fans appear to care more than the Kings coach? And I don't know what their expectations are. I don't know what Luke's expectations are. I don't know what Vlade's expectations are. Uh, but the fact is, uh, they lost one twenty nine to one twenty to San Antonio. That was a that, that that was a that was a good back and forth game. Like it wasn't a blowout. I mean, that nine points really stretched over the last final minutes. Uh, the the last of you know of, of the few that point total really stretched over the last few minutes of the game. That's what I get for waking up so damn early. One thirty-two, one sixteen was the score last night. Like I've, I've got. I'd really like. To, I'm, I'm gonna move on to something else, something happier. Let's move on to the other happier things, like the Be Heard podcast platform. Uh, Deuce and Mo, see, they were smart. They recorded their podcast last night. They recorded and posted their podcast last night, uh, so they didn't have to deal with uh, all of the nonsense that I'm dealing with here this morning. They didn't get woken up out of bed at four fifteen thinking, "Wait a minute, are the Kings really that bad? Do I got to go sit and talk about the Kings on this podcast?" Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so go check them out. Search to be heard. Or search be heard in whatever podcast platform that you are listening to this show on. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Deuce and Mo podcast or J Street Vibes, great stuff from Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones as well. And I'd really love for you to check out the Dope Ones. It's not a sports podcast, but it is a great podcast, and I encourage you to go check it out. The Dope Ones. Just search be heard. Uh, in Apple Podcast, if that's what you're using, and, and according to my analytics, over 85 percent of you use. Uh, an Apple device. So go to Apple Podcast, uh, search Be Heard, and you'll see all five of our podcasts come up. Uh, hit subscribe on each and every single one of them. Uh, let's touch on some happier notes in the NBA because there was some really good basketball over the course of the last couple of days. We could start with the Clippers, who hit a franchise record. Obviously, they had the game on Thursday, uh, just kind of a punching match with the with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, but they had a tremendous game on Saturday. They hit a franchise record, 25 uh, three-point field goals uh, and led by as many as 42 in a 126-103 win over the Pelicans. That's what we were talking about, the Pelicans, earlier. They're not there. You know, I speculated that it would be the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Blazers. Shows what I know. I'm the irrational sports fan. I'm the idiot who's who I, I'm absence makes the brain grow dumber. That was me. It seems to be the San Antonio Spurs right now. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans, that's going to be the outcome of that contest today. Boy, uh, we'll have a lot to talk about that tomorrow. Paul George hit eight threes uh, through three quarters and had 28 points in the win. Doc Rivers won his 939th game. That's moving him past Red Arback into the 11th place on the all-time wins list. Zion Williamson, he had a career-low 
seven points on seven field goals in just 13 minutes of action. The 13 minutes, I don't really think, was load management. It was just the fact that they stunk. Um, they they were bad. As we noted, they were down by as many as 42. Uh, Raptors had a big win over the Lakers uh, this weekend. Raptor, Raptors are really comfortably in that second spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, here's a weird stat. They've beaten the Lakers 11 straight times. That's a That's not... One, I would have, I, I guess I forget that the Lakers were bad for a stretch very recently, but the, but the, and the Raptors were not. The Raptors were obviously very good, but the Raptors have beaten the Lakers uh, 11 straight times. Uh, Kyle Lowry had 33, 14, and six. Fred Van Vliet notched a double double with 13 and 11. LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined for 34 points. That's tied for their second fewest. As teammates, each time the duo have combined for 35 points or less, the Lakers have lost. Um, T.J. Warren had 53. The Pacers beat the 76ers 127 to 121. T.J. Warren, a.k.a. Cash Considerations. Uh, big weekend for him. Joel Embiid in that loss had 21 rebounds and 41 points. Goodness gracious almighty, there have been 12 players with a 50-point game this season. Six of them weren't named All-Stars, including T.J. Warren. Interesting note there for you. Uh, Today we've got the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, which we've already mentioned. We've got the Lakers and the Jazz as well. I had made reference to this game earlier, the Celtics and the Trailblazers. That was a fun one. Jason Tatum had just five points on two of 18 shooting. In the opening game for the Celtics against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, he went ahead and corrected all of that and had 34 points against the Portland Trailblazers uh, in the Celtics 128 to 124 win. That's his 10th 30-point game in his last 16 outings. Um, Tatum, nine of his 11 makes, uh, including all five of his threes, were contested, uh, and teammates were perfect off of his passes eight of eight including six of six uh, from three-point range he was a great defender as well and that's that's I think Jason Tatum is that next evolution of great two-way players in the vein of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because while he was doing all of this on the offensive end he also held Dame Lillard uh, as the primary defender to one of five shooting including 0 of 2 in the fourth quarter uh, so that was a big, must-needed win, or, or much-needed win for the Boston Celtics after the loss uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Rockets were super exciting this weekend. They had a 153-149 win over the Dallas Mavericks on, uh, I believe that was Friday night. They trailed by seven points with 45 seconds to go. Teams entering Friday were two and 711 when trailing by seven-plus points with less than a minute to go. I want to repeat that for you so you can tell all your friends about it. Teams were two and 711 when trailing by seven points with less than a minute to go in regulation. James Harden had 49 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. Uh, Russell Westbrook had 31 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. Westbrook and Harden have each scored 30-plus points 
in the same game eight times this season. Um, the Rockets did the first team to score 150 points three times in a season since the 1990-1991 Nuggets. Of course, the 19 everybody remembers the juggernaut that was the 1990-1991 Nuggets. Uh, Trey Burke had 31 points. That's how weird the day was. Luka Doncic, 28 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. That's his 23rd career triple-double. Passing Ben Simmons for second most by a player through their first two seasons in NBA history. The two teams combined for 160 points in the first round. And then how about how the Rockets followed that up? They followed it up by beating the Milwaukee Bucks 120 to 116. They were 21 of 61 um, from three, which tied their own record that they set two other times for most three-point attempts in a non-overtime game. They shot 67% from behind the three-point line. That's, that's only the third highest total in NBA history. That's astonishing to me that there are two percentages higher than the 67% that the, the Rockets shot uh, on three-pointers against the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Here's another note, because we're full of stats today. The Bucks are the first team in NBA history to lose when they've scored 110 points and out-rebounded their opponent by 25 and held their opponent below 40% shooting. There's a stat for everything, but this is a good one. The Bucks are the first team in NBA history to score 110 points, out-rebound their opponent by 25, hold their opponent to under 40% shooting, and lose. The Bucks also gave up an eight-point lead with three minutes to go. I'm sensing a theme here with the Houston Rockets and their ability to turn it on late. Uh, the Bucks also gave up an eight-point lead with three minutes remaining in regulation. Teams in that situation were 735 and eight this season. The Bucks themselves never lost. Fitty and oh. I love stats because at some point you read so many of them and they get confusing. But these are good stats. These are fun. There are there are strange things. I'm telling you. Is it? We've talked about this for months. Is it at all possible that the Rockets don't know it's the postseason? I know technically it's not the postseason, especially for the Rockets. For the Rockets and Mavericks, it's it's not really the postseason. It's kind of just kind of warming up. Maybe they're peaking too early. Is it? We got to start. We got to start figuring out theories, right? We've got to start, you know, coming up with 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 theories on why things are happening. Maybe maybe the Rockets are peaking too early. Of course, the Rockets are one of those teams because of Russell Westbrook's history, because of Mike D'Antoni's history, and because of James Harden's history. It doesn't really, like, nothing matters until the conference finals. They've got to be in the conference finals. And for those three people, two players and a coach, they've got to, they've got to win. They've, they've got to be in the NBA finals for any of this to matter. Uh, let me remind you, you can get your podcast gear over on thedopeones.com. There's a lot more podcast gear coming right now. There's a Be Heard t-shirt up. There are multiple uh, t-shirts uh, pertaining to the more than a podcast t-shirt, which is my favorite. I've seen that all over social media. If you have bought a shirt and you rock it, take a picture uh, and share it. Tag me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever uh, so we can share it with the universe. But I appreciate everybody who's purchased one 
uh, so far. Uh, there are a lot more coming, including a Deuce and Mo line. Uh, that's going to be available on the Dope Ones in the upcoming days. There's going to be podcast uh, face masks and Be Heard face masks. There's going to be all sorts of great stuff uh, coming to the dopeones.com. But we've got T-shirts available for you right now. And while you're checking out our collection, uh, which is linked here in the description of this podcast, uh, check out everything else that is available on the Dope Ones. Rob Manfred said he remains confident that the 2020 season can continue. He told Carl Ravitch on Saturday, there is no reason to quit now. Hmm. All right, Robbie. He continued to tell Ravage on ESPN, we are playing. The players need to be better, but I am not a quitter in general, and there is no reason to quit now. We have had, we have had to be fluid, but it is manageable. I don't mind. I don't mind him saying there's no reason to quit now. I I, I really don't. Here's my issue with Rob Manfred. I have a lot of issues with one Rob Manfred. None bigger than the fact that he's a coward. Like I have no bigger issue with him than the fact that he's a coward. By the way, 27 games have been postponed so far this season. I swear to you it feels like the, the, the baseball season is like a week old. But there have been 27 games postponed so far this year. 24 of them are related to COVID-19. Three of them are because of rain. That's more postponements than there were in the entire 2010 season, 2012 season, and 2016 season. There's been an outbreak. We obviously were all aware of the outbreak that knocked out half of the Miami Marlins roster. I think the Marlins are due back to play today, aren't they? I think the Marlins are supposed to play today. Now St. Louis is canceling games because they've had multiple uh, new positives coming out. Here, here's my issue with Rob Manfred, one of my many issues. Um, he had the nerve to put this on the players. He called the Players Association director and said, tell your players to be better or I'm going to shut this down. <laughs> Bruh, really? This is, hey, I'm not absolving the players. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, this virus is easily contagious. Like, I don't know. It's easily transmitted. I don't know how, I I don't know who's introducing it into a particular ball club. Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred has said they know who introduced the virus into the Miami Marlins locker room. They essentially know who patient zero was. It's like, okay, have you done an investigation in to figure out like, how did he, he get it? How did he contact it? Was it, was it just, you know, there are people who are getting the virus who are, you know, diligent about masks. They're diligent about um, social distancing. They're diligent about all of these things in front of us, but they're they're still winding up with it. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't take much. You don't have to go to Magic City to get it. You know, you could you could go to the store. Something happens, boom. You know, you pick up the wrong, you know, you, you, you pick up the wrong box of pasta or, you you, you know, you grab the, the, the wrong thing of fruit. Like, who who knows? It's that easily contagious. But for Rob Manfred to insist that this is 100% on the players and not on the league for creating a better protocol in case someone in an organization tested positive is a bit silly. But that's what Rob Manfred is. He's a coward. He's been a coward from the moment he took over the role as commissioner. 
in Major League Baseball. And I thought when Rob Manfred was named commissioner, he can only go up because the guy before him was a just a he's a he he is a debacle. And the fact that he's being put or has been put in the Hall of Fame is a joke. But that's how we look at sports like Bud Selig wasn't held accountable for performance enhancing drugs. Uh, Rob Manfred so far hasn't been held accountable for nets. He hasn't been held accountable yet for this uh, COVID-19 disaster. Rob Manfred hasn't even, he hasn't been held accountable for teams cheating. All of this has happened within five years. Wasn't he named the commissioner? What, 15? 15 or 14? Like look at it, look at look at all that it has been on his plate. And what what can you can you look at Rob Manfred and go, man, you know what he really handled well? I mean, Adam Silver will always have he'll always have the Donald Sterling thing. Look at how he handled that. Look at how swiftly he handled that. Okay. There are people who aren't going to be pleased with the way that Adam Silver handled China. Okay. There are going to be people who aren't pleased that Adam Silver is less of a disciplinarian. Than David Stern was. He allows players to have a voice. Could this movement, could could what we're seeing in the NBA right now exist if David Stern was the commissioner? No, because they're two different types of commissioners. Two very, very different types of commissioners who took over at two very, very different times in the league. But David Stern, right or wrong, he he had integrity. And whether you agreed with some of the things he did, whether you agreed with the with the dress code, whether you agreed with the uh, step one foot on the floor uh, and you're suspended for a game, whether you agreed with any of that, he he was strong and he was uh, he was a disciplinarian and he he took the rules that he put out there he took them seriously. Adam has a different approach. Adam Silver has a different approach. What is Rob Manfred? Nothing. I I got nothing. He just kind of is there. That's all he is. He's, he's, he's just there, and he's called the commissioner. But he has not made one difficult decision. And he hasn't, at some point, I don't, like, convince me that baseball's going to make it. We're barely a couple of weeks into this thing, and it's already a disaster. Convince me they're going to make it. Oh, we've got to be flexible. We like he he's talking about win percentages and you know teams making up. You know, again, twenty seven games have been postponed already this season, and he acknowledged every team might not play sixty games. He says, "quote oh, We've got to be flexible on that." Look, oh, you always know someone's going to line you up with something when they drop you a look or listen. Look, this is one of the reasons that we revisited the issue of the expanded playoffs. It's if it turns out that some guys play 60, some guys play 58, they have this new thing called winning percentage. We can sort that all out. Oh, so now he's a smartass on top of it. Oh, he's so weak. Uh, someone who is not, though, is Doug Peterson. Though this does tie in to the COVID-19 conversation, as Doug Peterson uh, told his team and the team announced to us on Sunday that he has contracted the coronavirus. Uh, he conveyed in an unscheduled team meeting on Sunday to share the news with his players. Um, according to sources before the announcement was made, he wanted them to hear it from him. Uh, but he says he's asymptomatic, he's doing well, uh, and he's, con- he's self-quarantining, he's communicating with the team's medical staff. Uh, Press Taylor, who is the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator 
for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was sent home from the facility because he was in close contact with Peterson, and anybody who has been in close contact with uh, Doug Peterson over the course of the last few days is also being sent home. There have been um, a number of the new uh, COVID-19 IR thing, the new COVID-19 IR list. There have been a number of players from a variety of teams across the league uh, who have been put onto that list. I think I recently saw Gardner Minshew was put on it. I think four members of the Jacksonville Jaguars were put on it. So remember that the NFL is operating in a non-bubble environment. And I, I don't know. I, it, the WNBA is working. Um, Sabrina Nescu, by the way, out for out for the next month with the with the grade three ankle sprain. That's just brutal for the WNBA, who's already missing you know a bunch of stars because of COVID nineteen related issues. To lose her because of an injury after as exciting as her season has started, even as bad as the New York Liberty have, has been, her exe- her season started uh, in very exciting fashion. So that's it was tough to lose her. Uh, but you look at the WNBA. You look at the NBA and you realize operating in these bubble environments is working. The NHL, you know, they're trying to get through, you know, this this weird, you know, their regular season is over. They're having these like seeding tournaments. They're, they're trying to get, you know, that taken care of. They're operating in a bubble environment in Canada. It it works. The NFL had all of this time. They've had since March. They they had an they had essentially an entire off season to plan potentially like regional bubbles. Like maybe you don't have one area like Orlando, which I think is completely different because you're talking about uh, just a a short part of the season. You're talking about the most important part of the season, and you're not even talking about the entire league. Same with the NHL. You're not talking about the entire league, but they have multiple bubbles. You know, they're spread out over a couple of different places in Canada. Why didn't the NFL start considering regional bubbles where you have one, you know, in Arizona or God, not Arizona, but you have one maybe in like Utah or Denver or Nevada or something. Maybe Nevada's perfect, right? You get all the California teams there. You get Las Vegas there. Maybe you can get Seattle down there. Maybe you can get um, uh, Arizona up there. Okay, now you said another regional bubble. Maybe you got Philadelphia where you can get Washington and you can get um, you know, all of the teams along the, the I-95 corridor down there. They had time to figure all of this out, but they've they've determined no, we're not going to do that. We're we're gonna we're gonna go about business as normal. Well, why are they going to go about business as normal? Because they are still of the belief that they're going to be able to put fans into the stadiums. They're going to be able to tell fans to put on masks and have socially distanced seating at their venues. That's why they're doing this, and that's just extraordinary. That is just absolutely amazing. Because imagine they lose billions of dollars. This is why I think that like an NFL player is going to have to die for the season to be shut down. A high-profile NFL player as well is going to have to die for the season to be shut down. Because they, they had the opportunity to do this. They didn't. The reason they didn't, because they want to put fans into their stadiums. And they believe, because there's no way, they've had to have had the conversation, like what if something goes wrong? We didn't create this bubble environment. We didn't put these players in any form of isolation. And now we're going to have them traveling across the country, keeping a completely normal schedule, by the way. And we're risk losing. We're risking losing billions of television dollars. Billions. From NBC, from Fox, from ABC. Come on. Billions. 
They're risking it all so they can get the extra revenue from fans who are going to pay big money to be one of the 10,000 fans who are going to be allowed into games each week in bigger stadiums. An absolute joke. Check out this story from the Pac-12. This is, this is actually a freaking great story. A group of Pac-12 football players from multiple schools are threatening to opt out of both preseason camps and games until its negotiations with the league regarding concerns about racial injustice, their safety during the pandemic, and other demands are completed. A text message obtained by ESPN says the group's goal is to obtain a written contract from the Pac-12 that legally ensures we are offered the following protections and benefits. The list, uh, the group's list of demands include, this is according to that same text message that I just quoted, uh, safe play amid the pandemic, fighting racial injustice, securing economic rights and fair compensation, and protecting all sports and obtaining long-term health insurance. These young men are brilliant. Hold the Pac-12's feet to the fire. Well done, gentlemen. Across multiple uh, schools, this is the way to do it because that's the one thing that we don't know yet. And that's the one thing we might not know for a while, and that's the long-term effects of COVID-19. And for these young men to ask for health insurance, they're, they're, they're absolutely within their right to do that. Because the schools, I, I do not believe as much as I love, love college football, as much as I love college sports in general, but particularly college football, there's absolutely no reason for these players to be marched out there and asked to, to compete in this situation. None. They're not compensated. Don't give me that crap about tuition and all of that nonsense. That is a completely unfair compensation package for people who generate as much money as these young men. And in some cases... And other sports young women do. But when we're talking about football and we're talking about what these young men bring into the university, a tuition salary isn't enough. It's not even close to enough. And that tuition also doesn't have health insurance past what you're able to get from your trainer if you hurt your knee. Or past what you're able to get through any injury that you suffer in college. Good for the Pac-12. Good for these young men in the Pac-12. We'll see what they're able to accomplish. We'll see if anything comes about of it. There were two major opt-outs in Major League Baseball over the weekend, one of them stranger than the other. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Boston Red Sox pitcher, is going to miss the remainder of the season as he recovers from a heart issue that they believe is related to COVID-19. He tested positive before the start of summer camp. He was cleared to return to workouts on July 18th, but he was shut down uh, a week later after an MRI revealed uh, myocardias. It's an inflammation of the heart that the team believes is is a result of the coronavirus. See, this this is what we're talking about when we're talking about those players from the Pac-12. This is a long-term health issue now that Eduardo Rodriguez has because of the coronavirus. Imagine contracting the coronavirus playing college football and then having this issue long after uh, you graduate or long after your time at that university is over. Or imagine being on an athletic scholarship and you can't finish your athletic commitments because of this particular uh, heart issue. 
So that one, you know, given the fact that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had tested positive, given the fact that uh, he had been cleared to work out but was shut down uh, a week later, I would argue this because, remember, he was supposed to be the opening day starter. So this is a big loss for Boston, but I'd argue it's not horribly surprising given what he has been going through over the course of the last little less than a month over the last several weeks. You want to Cespedes is a little bit different. He opted out of the 2020 season after he just didn't come to work. Uh, the team was set, the New York Mets was set to take on the Atlanta Braves, and apparently Ioannis uh, Cespedes didn't show up for the game. They sent a trainer to his hotel room. When they got into the hotel room, all his stuff was gone. He just cut and said, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this. That's, a, that's an interesting way to go about this. Um, the Mets general manager said, uh, quote, we support everybody and every player's right to make this type of decision. This is a challenging time for everyone. It was surprising without question uh, at the point we have to go forward and not allow anything to keep us from going forward. It, it, he just didn't show up for work. Which I, maybe there's better ways that you could have handled the opt out, but I mean, I I don't know. Maybe there's not. But those are two pretty big opt outs in the world of Major League Baseball. Oh, by the way, before we wrap up, uh, the Monday Night Football crew has been announced, sort of. Uh, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick. Finally, I don't know why they do three man boosts. It's so unnecessary. Go Steve Levy, Lewis Reddick, you'll be good to go uh, as, as, as the new crew for Monday Night Football. But they're going to have Brian Greasy, Lewis Reddick, along with Steve Levy on the play-by-play. I'm good with that. I think, I think Steve Levy is very good. I noted how great of a job I thought he did on the XFL uh, during its second relaunch earlier this year. Though I'd argue my only complaint was him, and this has nothing to do with his play-by-play ability. It, it was the fact that he clearly didn't take the XFL seriously. And that was a little bit obnoxious to listen to. But uh, he's a very good play-by-play guy. Uh, Lewis Reddick, I, I think the freaking world of. But that might not be the play-by-play crew if college football doesn't happen. If college football doesn't happen, there's a belief that either Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet or Chris Fowler or Kirk Herbstreet will be worked into the Monday Night Football booth somehow, some way. Uh, Fowler and Herbstreet are going to call uh, one of the Monday Night Football games on opening weekend, which I'd argue that's the best second crew that they've put together uh, since they've started doing the second night of the or the second game of the opening night of Monday Night Football. They've done, you know, they've done a variety. I think they did Mike and Mike one year. I think they did. Um, I think they did Rex Ryan and Beth Mowens one year, and Rex Ryan was awful. And of course, Beth Mowens took all the heat. Beth Mowens has been calling Raider games for years now, but she she's been calling games period for years now. But oh, you know, now you're in front of the Monday Night Football crowd, and you've got to put the blame on somebody. Lord knows you're not going to blame Rex Ryan for being awful at his job. You're going to blame Beth Mowens, uh, who I'd argue she did a fantastic job. Rex Ryan, he sucked. He was awful that night. Uh, he's awful in most of his roles on television, but that's just my opinion. If the college football season doesn't happen, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they go with Fowler and Herbstreet or Fowler or Herbstreet. I'd love a combination of, of course, I'm, of course I'm going to say this, Chris Fowler and Lewis Riddick. Um, 
it'd be interesting to see if they threw one of the NFL guys in if they went with Fowler and Herbie to go with Lewis Reddick or they went with Fowler and Herbie to go with Brian Greasley. There's no room for Steve Levy, obviously, if Chris Fowler is doing it. You don't need two play-by-play guys. You need a play-by-play guy and an analyst or a play-by-play guy and two analysts. So uh, we'll see how that develops. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the day develops. We'll get you ready. I don't know what this Kings... I don't know what this Kings-Mavericks game is going to look like tomorrow. I've already got some notes on it. I got some notes as they pertain to the Dallas Mavericks and how they have performed in close games, and maybe that's how the Kings win. They've got to figure out a way to keep the game close. And The game against San Antonio was back and forth. It was close through the most part. San Antonio was able to pull away late. I know Kings fans are really frustrated after the performance against Orlando. You can send me all your frustrations, man. I'm here to listen. 916 888 5898. Of course, you can connect on social media at Damian Barling. Make sure you check out the rest of the podcast here on the Be Heard platform. Uh, search Be Heard on radio.com, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. All five of our podcasts will come up. You can flip over and listen to the Deuce and Mo show right now. You can check out the latest episode of J Street Vibes with Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones and give the dope ones a try. It's not a sports podcast, but it's a podcast I really think you'll like. Um, and then head over to the dopeones.com. Check out all our podcast beer. We'll be back here uh, tomorrow. Some big games in the National Basketball Association uh, tonight, including the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. We'll break that down and we'll get you ready. The Kings and the Mavericks coming up here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.